been in this series, uh, Identity Theft, and we've been addressing an issue that really I find troubling. Um, you know, there are too many Christians that l- are living these kind of defeated, broken lives, and really we're, we're failing to comprehend our, our true identity, our true worth, and living the, this life that I believe is a lot less than what God intended for us to live. And throughout Scripture, you know, God says that we are his prized possession. Now, sometimes I think we need to let that, that sink in, that we are called to this life of wonderment, uh, that we, we have a purpose and a meaning, that we are called to an abundant life. But I don't see that many Christians living that way. And I think, how is that possible? And that's what we've been talking about, that we're being robbed. We're being robbed that the evil one is a thief, that that Satan is a a liar, and that it's kind of what Jesus was pressing when he told us the objective of the evil one, John 10.10, and we've looked at this several times. The thief comes only in order to steal, steal, kill, and destroy Jesus says, I've come in order that you may have life, life in all its fullness. Because the evil one is a liar, what we've been doing, I don't know if you realize it, but we've been kind of unpacking lies, some of the lies that are used. And this week, the lie that I want to attack is, I'm not good enough. You know, it's a lie. It is a lie. It is something that I think, if we're all honest no matter how, how good your self-esteem is, we all battle with it to some level. The, the fact is it's a lie that we wrongly believe. And it slowly steals from us our identity. It slowly steals our, our life from us bit by bit. And in fact, I believe it erodes every area of our life, ultimately, that it affects our relationships whether it be our marriage or as parents or our friendships, that it will erode your vocation, you know, that it erodes socially and spiritually and even physically in, in our lives. And I believe that the evil one is a very skilled thief, very skilled, that he, that he takes things very slowly so that we don't realize what's going on, that he will steal your identity a little bit at a time, very systematic. And I think that he starts with our psyche, that it is uh, whispering in our brain, in our head, repeating a very specific little lie that plays on our weaknesses, plays on our insecurity, and that it's simply a point of entry into your life. And that with his skills, I, I think he is fully aware that if he can get in here, if he can get in your head, he has access to your heart. And that once he gets in your heart, well, watch out, because he will steal your identity. I mean, it'll be gone before you know it. And so, you know, it, it's something that, that we, we struggle with. I remember uh, I started uh, preaching when I, when I was 16, and I would fill in for pastors, uh, they would be on vacation, or maybe they just needed a break, and so I was an easy call. I'd show up, and so I was speaking just about every weekend somewhere, and I remember early on, I was at a church, and it was my first time speaking at, at that church, and I knew the pastor there from camp, uh, 
And he was a really good speaker, really good speaker. And so I worked extra hard on my message that I was going to present. And I I put on my best suit because I thought at least I'll look holy when I get there. Now, now, trust me, I'm 16 years old, not so holy, but uh, I, uh, I was trying, I was trying. So I, I got to church early, and I was trying to get kind of the lay of the land, get settled, you know, figure out what was what there, and most of the people were downstairs in the basement, they were having coffee, and so I went down, and I'm just kind of fellowshipping, and talking to people, and then the, the bell rang, and those that, if you didn't grow up in the church, the bell would ring, and it was a sign that everybody was to get up and head upstairs to, to worship. So the bell starts ringing, people start heading up, and I start heading toward the stairs, and an older lady, she kind of grabs my arm, and she goes, young man, can you help me upstairs? And uh, so I started to help her, and she goes, I just can't wait to get upstairs. Our pastor, he's so good. He's such a good speaker. I can't wait to hear him. And, and I go, he is a good speaker, but he's not speaking today. And she kind of looked at me, and she goes, well, who's speaking? I said, well, I would be speaking. And she stood there for a moment. She looked at me. She assessed me. She goes, I think I'll finish my coffee. And she sat back down. (laughs) She did. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't so funny then. Because it was like I could see it. I could see it happening. And my suit did not impress her, apparently. (laughs) And I remember in that moment, I remember hearing that voice that has whispered to me many times through my life, Damon, you're not good enough. No matter how hard you try, it will not be enough. Get a clue on this one. I mean, anybody ever felt that way? Just not good enough. It just hits you. And here's something that I think you'll find very encouraging. Some of the greatest heroes in Scripture felt the same way. You know, there's a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Moses. Moses felt like that. You know, one of the the key thoughts that we've had through this series is that a lie believed as truth will affect you as though it is true. And I believe, again, the evil one's greatest weapon is to lie to us. He's the father of lies, Scripture says. He wants to convince us that the lie is true, so that if we bite, if we buy into it, that little by little what we do, we start believing it, and then we start living and acting as if it's true. You know, Exodus 4, people of Israel are in slavery, and God calls Moses to deliver them out of that. And it's a really interesting conversation because it says, but Moses pleaded with God, and I love this, Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. Never have been. I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. I mean, can can you pick this up? Don't put me in front of people. I I get nervous. I I freak out. You know, have you been listening to me? Sometimes I don't make sense. I I try and make sense, but I I don't. I get things twisted. I get it mixed up. I, I mess up. I'm not the right guy. See, I read between the lines there 
And it sounds like I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. So many of us believe that. We're not good enough. And we believe a lie, and it affects us like it's true. Because we, we base our, our worth on a couple things, and we've touched on these through, through this series. We, we base our, our worth on what people say about us. You know, some of you grew up in homes where you were encouraged all the time. You grew up in a home where you felt good about yourself. And then some of you grew up in homes, it was just the opposite of that. You're stupid. And you believed it. You're no good. And you believed it. You're just pathetic. And you believed it. You should be more like your brother. You're nothing like your sister. And you believed it. And it starts playing in your psyche. It gets in your brain. And pretty soon you're going, you know what? Maybe I am no good. Maybe I don't measure up. Someone says, hey, if you'd lose 20 pounds, you'd be pretty. (laughs) You're worthless. What a waste. You're a loser. And here's what happens. Somebody says something. And the evil one uses it. He leverages it. It's like a computer worm. It begins to hack into the system of your life. And it keeps self-replicating and spreading. And pretty soon, it just takes over. You know, someone says something, the evil one leverages it. He whispers it in your head over and over and over and over. And friends, I want to tell you, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. But if you buy it, if you bite, if you listen long enough, oh, the worm burrows in, and it kind of makes you feel like a worm before it's over. Let's be honest for a minute. How many of you like when someone says something good about you? Come on. We like it, don't we? Now, how many of you feel bad when someone says something bad about you? And what I want to say, they're both a trap. They're both a trap. Because that's not where our worth comes from. Another thing that, that happens, and we talked quite a bit about this last week, but a very common lie is that our worth is based on our past. You know, some of you maybe were raised in a very challenging situation or with some challenging obstacles. And so consequently, in our mind, we go, well, because of that, I'll never amount to anything. You know, some of you weren't great at school. In fact, if you were honest, you go, I struggled in school. And so we automatically go, well, I guess I'll struggle in life then because of that. You know, maybe maybe you dreamed that you would have a great marriage, but you ended up divorced. And so now you feel like you got this giant D on, on your head, and you feel like a failure in marriage, and you feel like a failure as a Christian. You know, some maybe you did something off the chart. And all you can think is, man, that, that, that was just stupid. It's just stupid. What was I thinking? I do not deserve for anything to be good in my life anymore. And, and here's one that, that breaks my heart. And Unfortunately, I've come across it too many times through the years, but 
you know, people that have been molested when they were kids. And you've got all this physical and emotional pain. And I just want to scream because innocent, innocent people. And they'll go, you know, I must have done something. This wouldn't have happened to me otherwise. You know, something must be wrong with me. I I probably deserved it. You know, there's something messed up about me. I, I don't deserve to be loved. And friends, it's not true. It's a lie. Moses. Moses battled with some of this kind of stuff of just not feeling good enough. You know, it's an interesting conversation because you got God speaking truth into his life. God, God's given him the truth, but Moses, Moses is hung up. He's got a sense of his inadequacy, of not being good enough. And so it starts speaking louder while, while he's having this conversation with God. He says this, he says, Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I'll be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. In other words, you would think Moses, who's standing before God who's standing before the creator of the universe, who is standing before the God that holds the planets and the stars in place, you would think, you're having this conversation one-on-one with God, that he would have went, okay, God, guess you know. I'm sure that you're powerful enough to make whatever happen that needs to happen. What would you like for me to do? But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Please. Do you hear it? Send somebody else, God. I'm not good enough. It's too much. There's got to be someone better. And friends, I believe that many of us believe the lie. And I believe that it leads us to some very dangerous, very destructive conclusions about how we live our lives. You know, since I'm not good enough, well, I can't make a difference in people's lives. I can't make a difference in this world. Why even try? You know, I'm not talented enough. I, I fail at almost everything I do. This is my lot in life. It's just the way it's going to be. You know, I'm inadequate. I do not deserve to be loved or treated right. And we simply just don't feel good enough in our lives. And friends, you've got to remember, when that hits, when that moment happens, you are not what other people say about you. You are not the sum total of your past. You are who God says you are. You are not the opinions of other people. You are not what happened to you in the past. You are who God says you are. You know, you got to soak in that. You got to got to take that in. You know, when that line comes up in your head that says you're not good enough, you're inadequate, you are pathetic. When you start hearing those lines, when it starts trying to worm its way in, 
Do you know what you need to do? You got to replace it with the truth. You got to replace it with the truth. For those of you that are Christ followers, when, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, we talked about this last week, that the old nature dies. I mean, it's gone. God has given you a new heart, a new spirit, a new creation. But the old patterns, the old way of thinking, it doesn't just disappear. I mean, it hangs around. In fact, I would argue that sometimes it whispers in your head and it gets louder at points. You know why? This is a battle, friends. It is a battle. It is a war for your mind. That's why it's so important that you capture the lies, that you allow God's truth to renew your mind, to change your mind. Because when you finally believe what God says about you, get this, you'll be able to do what God calls you to do, whatever it is. You know, I want to touch today and just give you some what I'll call uh, life-changing thoughts that we need to plug into our brain. The, the book of uh, 1 Peter, um, it's written to Christians, and these Christians are living in exile. They're actually Jewish Christians. Uh, they're, they're, they're suffering, they're hurting, and they're beginning to doubt who they are. They're doubting whether or not they're God's people or not. They've, they've lost their identity in Jesus Christ, and they're living this defeated life. They're just broken down. And Peter writes these words. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. Here we go again, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Again, he's reminding them, it's a war. It's a war, and it's not flesh and blood. It's a war for your mind. It's a battle with the evil one whose intent is to devour, to destroy you. He's roaming around. He's waiting to make his move. And then he spends a little bit of time. He talks about that, hey, we're all going to suffer. We all got problems. We all got stuff that we bring to the table. Everybody's going through it. But he gets to the heart of what he wants them to, to understand. And that here's the life-changing thought. Verse 10. He says, 1 Peter 10. In his kindness, God what? God what? Called. He called you to share in his eternal glories by means of Christ Jesus. And by eternal glories, he's talking about now and in the future and in eternity. Now, several years ago, uh, Cindy uh, was getting dinner ready, and uh, I ran down to my office uh, downstairs, and uh, while I was down there, I was getting something, I don't remember what, but the, the phone rang. And uh, most of the time at dinner time, the calls, they're like someone's trying to sell you something or they're taking polls or that kind of thing. And this was back in the day before caller ID. Uh, okay, so we're backing up a bit here. But so I, ans- I answered the phone and uh, the person on the other end is like, did I, did I catch you a bad time? Now, I'll be honest, when I hear that, I get a bit suspicious but I thought, okay, the voice sounds kind of familiar. And I said, no, this is, a, this is a good time. And the person on the other end goes, this is Barbara Walters. Now I'm thinking, okay, who is it really? 
Who have I been pranking, you know, and they're getting back at me, you know? Who, who is it is trying to, trying to get me? And she goes, um, I would like about a half hour of your time, if I could, and I'd like to talk to you about death. And she explained she was doing some research, and she was in Peoria, and, you know, we talked about how she got my number and all that. But anyway, we, we started talking. And so Cindy kept coming to the top of the stairs, and she's like, dinner's ready, you know, dinner's ready. And I didn't respond or anything. So finally she comes down, and she gave me one of those looks. You know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. She's good at it, by the way. Mm. She goes, who are you talking to? And so I tried to mouth. I go, Barbara Walters. <laughs> She's like, yeah. And, I, and so I finally I write it down. And she goes, oh. you know. Um, well, it was Barbara Walters. Now, here's the deal. If it had been a salesperson, I would have said, please take me off the list. If it had been Barbara Jones or whoever, I probably would have said, hey, do you mind calling back? We're getting ready to eat. It was Barbara Walters. See, it matters who calls, doesn't it? You are called by God. You were hand-picked. You were chosen. The God who has no limitations, who has unlimited power, the God who is not bound by time or space, a God that knows the present, the past, and the future, the God that knows absolutely everything about you has called you. So when that little voice kicks in and goes, you're not good enough, wrong, Lie, lie, you are incredibly special, you are called, you are chosen, you are loved by God, God's heart beats hard for you, in fact, so much so, he's willing to send his son to this world to die for you, that sounds pretty special to me. You know, anybody tired, anybody worn down, you know, Jesus Christ calls, he says, come to me all who are weary, burdened. I'll give you rest. You know, anybody searching? Some of you are searching and searching and searching. You're looking for something to satisfy you. And you know there's got to be more to this life. You're thirsty. And Jesus says, I'm the living water. Taste. Taste what I offer. You'll never thirst again. You know, some of you are lost. You're wandering around aimlessly. And you can't find your way. And Jesus Christ says, I am the way. I am the way. Some of you believe the lies about yourself. And Jesus says, I'm the truth. Some of you are dead inside. And he says, I am the life. Here's the deal. Jesus Christ is ringing some of your cell phones right now. Your spiritual cell phones. He's saying, quit listening to the lie. Quit listening and buying the lies. You've been called by God. You've been called by God. Peter writes, he says, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of what? Darkness, out of the garbage, out of the lies of this world into his wonderful light. I'm not good enough. I am chosen by God. 
I'm not good enough. You are called out of the darkness. I'm not good enough. You're called into God's light. You know, Paul writes in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I'm not good enough. It's a lie, friends. It is a lie. You are called by God, and you are capable because of Jesus Christ. You are capable. One of the the greatest goals of the evil one is to talk you out of the life that God has in store for you. You're not good enough. Why try? Throw in the towel. It is what it is. Drudge through it. No, 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 no. It's a lie. You are capable in Jesus Christ. God has equipped you. Remember uh, when I first started college, um, I uh, was in my first year of cemetery and um, seminary. Yeah. Um, but I remember I was really excited because I, uh, one of the classes I signed up for was homiletic class, which was, it was learning how to, how to speak. Now, I'd been speaking for quite a few years at that point, but I was excited. I was like, man, I'm going to learn some stuff. And so we had the big project for, for the class was to prepare and deliver a message to the class. And so I worked really hard. I studied, I prepared, and, and worked on it. And I, I delivered my message that day in class. I felt like I was connecting with the students, and they seemed to be tracking with me. And after I finished, the class stood up, standing applause. Don't get excited. We did it for everybody. We made a pact. We said, no matter how awful it is, we're going to stand up and applaud for one another and go crazy. And so, anyway, it got done, feeling pretty good. And my professor, professor Mr. Webb, uh, he asked me, he said, Damon, could you stay after class, please? And so I'm like, okay, cool. So I sat down. He goes, Damon, you seem like a nice young man. And I think you've probably got some talent. You seem to study really hard. But your thought process said it's odd. (laughs) He said pulpit ministry may not be for you. Friends, in that moment, I heard that voice again. Not good enough. And I remember walking away, and that one thought just kept worming its way in my brain, taking root in my psyche. You're not good enough. He's right, you're not good enough. And I remember being down for several weeks after that. I just let it play over and over and over. And I remember it was late one night in the, the dorm, and it just hit me. It just hit me, and I thought, he's right. I'm, I'm not good enough. But it's Jesus Christ through me. It's Jesus Christ through me. I can't, but God can. See, I came to realize very quickly, I am not the smartest guy in the world. I am not the most talented, and I'm definitely not the most eloquent. But I do not have to be. It's Jesus Christ through me. And it has been amazing 
what God has done. And what I want to say to you is you will be amazed what God can do through you too. There is no doubt about it. It's interesting, my, my last year in, in, uh, at Lincoln, uh, I ended up graduating from St. Louis, but my last year there, uh, after the last class that I had with him, he asked me to stay after again. And um, I thought, oh boy, here we go again. And he said, Damon, I know you love God. And he said, you're very disciplined. And he said, I, I wish you'd learn to stay behind the pulpit, though. We solved that here, didn't we? <laughs> but he said, you, you've got to work on, on stuff. But I was wrong about you. I was wrong about you. He says, I don't understand you sometimes. I don't understand how you connect with people but I'm absolutely sure God will use you. Now, it was about a year later, I got a call from his wife, um, and she told me that he had gotten cancer and that he had passed away. And she said, John wanted me to call you. He said, John wants you to have his library. I can't. But God can. Game-changing thought. Jesus Christ through me. Jesus Christ through you. Too many of you are trying to do life on your own. And it's not working. You know, some, some of you guys are, are trying to please her. And I want to tell you, good luck with that. She is a moving target, all right? <laughs> but you know what? Jesus Christ can give you the marriage that is beyond anything that you can imagine. When you learn to, to die to yourself, when you learn to, to serve her as Jesus Christ did, the church changes things. You know, some, some of you are trying to, to get out of debt. In fact, if you're honest, it is a mess financially. And you, you're thinking, oh, I've got to have more. When God actually says, mm, you've got to give more. Jesus through you is the way out of whatever it is. You know, some of you, your heart's been breaking for someone. You want them to come to know Jesus Christ. And you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you feel like you've failed. You feel like you don't have the ability. It is Jesus Christ through you that God will use you. God will give you the words. God will give you the wisdom and the timing when it's right. God can do whatever God wants to get done through you. I'm not good enough. Friends, whatever God's called you to do, he will equip you to do. Period. Paul writes 2 Corinthians 3. He says, we say this because we have confidence in God through Christ. There is nothing in us that allows us to claim that we are capable of doing this work. Get this. The capacity we have comes from God. Our confidence comes from God. Do you, do you see the power in that? called by God, capable through Jesus Christ, and we are complete in Jesus Christ. We are absolutely complete. Peter writes, he says, his divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness, though the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
do you realize you have everything that you need in your life? You have everything you need. You are complete in Jesus Christ. If you've given your life to him, he will give you whatever it is you need. How many of you remember the movie Jerry Maguire? All right. First of all, let me say, lots of scenes needed to be deleted and lots of words need to be deleted, all right? But there's some lines that stand out in the movie, like, show me the money. And there's a scene near the end of the movie. Tom Cruise's character, uh, he, he walks in, and it's a room full of women that hate guys, okay? And he walks in, and he goes, hello, hello. And he's looking for the girl that he loves. He's going to declare his love. And he, he starts a conversation, and he finds her. He starts talking to her, and then he uses the line, you complete me. And she, she stops him. And she says, you had me at hello. And all the girls cry, and it's one of those moments, you know. You complete me. Great line for a movie. It's not true. People do not complete you. Jesus Christ does. Some of you have forgotten that. First you need Jesus Christ, then your spouse can be number two. People don't complete you. Jesus Christ does. Things don't complete you. Jesus Christ does. You know, I've got to have more things to be happy. Got to have more money. Got to have a nicer house. Got to meet the right person. People and things do not complete you. Jesus Christ does. You know, what are you missing? What are you missing? Find Jesus Christ in your life. You need peace? In Jesus Christ, you find peace that surpasses all understanding. You need assurance? It's in Jesus. You know, it's available. You know, he will accomplish far more than you, than you could ask or ever imagine. You need strength? It's in Jesus Christ. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. You don't need help. He's your very present help in times of trouble. Complete in Jesus Christ. Complete in Jesus Christ. When you see the word complete in the New Testament, it comes from the Greek word for a ship. And what it means, basically, is a ship that has everything that it needs. A ship that is fully manned. A ship that is fully equipped. That is fully capable of reaching the next destination. Whatever that is. And I want to say, you are the ship. And Jesus Christ has to be the captain. And Jesus will make the wind hit the sails when it needs to. He will provide everything that you need so that you can move from one point to the next point to the next destination. You are complete in Jesus Christ. Do you know that? So when you hear the evil one say, you're not good enough. You'll never measure up. You're inadequate. I try. Give it up. When you hear that little voice and it tries to gain entry, you got to capture it. It's a lie straight from hell, friends. It is a lie from the father of lies. It's what he specializes in. It is a lie that's intent to steal, to kill, to destroy your life, to rob you of your identity in Jesus Christ. And at some point, and you're the only person that can do it. At some point, you've got to stand up and say, no more lies. I am not biting. I am not believing it anymore. 
I am called by God. I'm chosen. I am special. Jesus Christ died for me. You know, I am capable of whatever it is that I'm facing, whatever I'm called to do, whatever I'm called to face, I can accomplish because Jesus Christ can work through me, not by my might, not by my power, but by God working through me. I am complete in Jesus Christ, lacking nothing. Everything you need is found in Jesus Christ, period. Paul writes this, he says, I say this, Because of all, God lives in Christ fully, even in his life on earth. And because you, okay, because you belong to Christ, you are complete. Having everything you need, absolutely everything. You got it. Christ is ruler of every other power and authority. Friends, you got everything you need. In Jesus Christ. Quit buying the lie. It is just robbing you. I don't know what it is you're buying today. What lie it is you need to push out. But I want to challenge you. Make today the day to say, you know what? I'm leaving that lie here. And I'm going to believe what God says about me. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God. Lies are they're everywhere. And God, I pray that um, we'd just block them. That we'd realize the ones that have duped us, that have stolen, just ripped us off. And God, I don't know what battles everybody here is battling, but I know most of them are battles in our minds. God, I pray that we would find freedom, that we would not only believe, but that we would stand on your promises, on what you say, what you believe about us. That, God, we would quit living lives that are not what you intended. That we would we'd find the joy, that we would find the hope, that we would find the peace knowing that whatever it is we need, you'll see us through. God, you have created fearfully and wonderfully. God, I pray that we would celebrate that, that we would just get out of the dark, get out of those dark recesses. We'd walk away from those dark lies. That we'd live in the light of your power in light of what you say. God, I pray that you would give us the strength to do that. I thank you for the opportunity to live in your presence. We give you the glory. We give you the praise this day. Amen.